that's the thing that I see that you can correlate with all of this, and, and it comes from the way that I see the stories of ancient Egypt. Um, the god Horus was always, you know, uh, battling his uncle Set to try to be the ruler of the two lands of Egypt. That was kind of the Greek story. And so Set at one point had um, gouged out the eyes of Horus. And when you think about, you know, how we've all been, you know, dealing with everything the past year with the pandemic, you know, we've all been wounded and alone in some way, um, separated from everything that we can see. You know, Horus was blinded. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't see his family. He couldn't see where he was going. Um, we've been in that state where we can't see our friends. We, you know, we couldn't see our family. We couldn't see into the future. You know, there was just this, oh, we don't know when things are going to open back up or when life will get back to normal. And Hathor came along and she saw him bleeding and in pain and she created new eyes for him. And um, so then with these new eyes, he was able to then see the world with a new perspective. Welcome to the Healer Dealer Podcast. This is an invitation to be inspired, get curious, expand and empower your own gifts through conversations with the modern healers of our time. The only way to heal ourselves is to deal with it. I'm your Healer Dealer, Diana Zaloki. So excited you're here. Let's get started. Hello, my Healer Dealer community. I love you guys. I'm so excited to share today's conversation. We have Amy Osset Roan, who goes by Osset. She is a priestess of Isis, Harpus, spiritual coach, and oracle of the goddess. She is the founder of the Isium of the Divine Isis Within for those called to become an ordained priestess, priest of Isis, leader of an online Egyptian mystery school for those who want to learn more about the history and mystery of Egypt. She's a composer of three CDs of original music for meditation and healing. She is co-founder of the Two Ladies Travel Co. with Normandy Ellis leading tours to Egypt and beyond, and also a photographer with an intuitive and artistic flair specializing in portraits and images for entrepreneurs. Traveling to Egypt is a must for Amy. Aset Roan. She is co-founder of her travel company. She loves to plan ways with others to see and feel the light, the power and mystery of Egypt firsthand. Her photography graces the pages of her websites, opens the doors of visual possibilities of seeing the light within both landscape and people of the world. You guys, I am so excited to share this conversation. We deep dive into what does it mean to be a priestess of Isis, the magic of ancient Egypt, and all of her offerings that really are an amazing, beautiful support into this work. We talk about everything around ancient Egypt and the connection of the stars and so much more. I'm also really excited to announce that um, Aset is going to be my guest teacher for the Empress Explorers Club for the month of June. If you guys have not signed up yet and you are craving community and safe, sacred space to really explore your own gifts and your own connection and try on new tools in a safe space, this is the perfect place for you. It's essentially like a combo of Healer Dealer podcast mixed with my gifts as a spiritual advisor. And I'm really passionate about 
connecting you guys to the tools that are going to work best for you and that you get to choose what works best for you and what resonates. So Empress Explorers Club is $88 a month. There's two meetings a month and the first meeting is always a special guest speaker, teacher. And then the second meeting of the month is a guided channeled meditation by me where we anchor in the lessons learned. Um, so please, you guys, if you are fascinated, which you will be, I'm sure, because I, I think I started a new hashtag for this podcast, hashtag nerding out with Offset. Um, it is going to be such a fun, fun, fun program that we have planned for June. I'm going to read a little bit about what Offset is going to do for Empress Explorers Club this next month. So the... Uh, so geeking out. I can't even speak. I'm sure I said a bunch of things incorrectly pronounced during this intro, but essentially embodying the divine through the Egyptian mysteries. Ooh, the ancient Egyptians believed that there was divinity in everything and often identified themselves with the gods and goddesses to claim this divinity for themselves. In this class, we'll explore the names of the divine god and goddess and this belief in a way that brings it to life in a powerful and practical ways that enhance your everyday life. Learn how to connect with and experience the transformative nature of these beliefs and practices through ritual, initiation, and fun and everyday activities. Learn to identify and embody the divine gods and goddesses of ancient Egypt to open your intuition and fill your life with magic. Oof, that is going to be so good. I totally bet after this episode you're going to like want more. So... Join us for Empress Explorers Club for June. Let me look at my calendar because I am so not prepared to share. But <laughs> it's Wednesday, June 9th at 530 Pacific time. If you're interested, go ahead and send me an email at love at empressadvisor.com. Again, that's love at empressadvisor.com. And also join me to join Offset's programs. I'm literally signing up right now for her Patreon and her Summer of Hathor. Like, I just, ugh, this, I, I mean, I think we also geek out over our love of books and just, I wish one of my superpowers was touching a book and knowing all the things. So really her programs are so insanely affordable and you'd be, I don't say you'd be a fool not to do it, but join me. I ask a lot of really good questions in groups. So, um, so many things to try on and again, take what resonates, leaves the rest, leaves the rest. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Amy Osset Roan. Cheers. Do you feel overwhelmed, unheard, or dismissed by your current healthcare providers? Are you suffering from mystery symptoms or chronic pain? Dr. Amanda, founder of SourcePoint Wellness, can help you. With her unique blend of ancient Chinese medicine and comprehensive natural Western medicine, Dr. Amanda treats all of you, exploring both the root and the branch of your symptoms. Dr. Amanda approaches healing with the feminine, patient-centered approach that will make you feel nurtured and cared for throughout your entire journey with her. She offers psychological and spiritual support and her customized treatment plan to help you reach your health goals. As Dr. Amanda believes that one cannot separate the mind, body, and spirit, she weaves acupuncture both in person and virtually over Zoom, Chinese herbal medicine, functional medicine, and a little bit of magic to address all parts of you. She's offering in-person appointments in Los Angeles and telehealth and virtual acupuncture throughout the world. For more information, check out SourcePointWellness.com. And you guys, I have been working with Dr. Amanda for the last 
five, six years, and my health has never been better. She really is all the things that I've described. You know, I just, I really cannot recommend her enough. And if you're not in Los Angeles, do not worry. Make sure to check her out at sourcepointwellness.com and get yourself taken care of all parts of yourself. It's so amazing what she can do, and I've never felt so supported in my life. All right, cheers. Uh, Set, I am so, so excited to have you on Healer Dealer. It is so incredible, all of the work you're doing. And I did the intro, but one thing I just want to dive right into, because I know everybody is going to geek out and there's so much to discuss, is what is and what does it mean to be a priestess of Isis? Wow, that is a really big question to start out with. Um, (laughs) Being a priestess of Isis for me, And also it's kind of funny because I was reading a little bit about it today. I just was researching ancient priestesses of Isis, you know, throughout Egyptian history and um, service. Like that is the number one thing is being of service, not only to um, the goddess and the Neteru, but also to honor the divine in everything around us then that's the thing about the ancient egyptian belief system was that word netter for the god and goddess um, that became our word for nature and so when we think about all of nature around us being imbued with a divine presence um, and also ourselves being imbued with this divine presence because if the air that we breathe is the god's shoe Um, then we are breathing in that God into our bodies with each and every breath. And um, it's, it's a part of us. And so when we, as a priestess of Isis serve others, you know, we we're honoring the divine in all of them and we're wanting them to be the best that they can be to heal in the deepest way possible and to find as much joy as they can. Um, and also, you know, that goes for being a priestess of Isis doesn't always necessarily mean that you're going to be out there as a guru, you know, wearing all of your jewelry and all of these things. It might just look like, you know, you are a person who loves animals and you volunteer at the animal shelter every Tuesday. And that's your service to Isis, um, you know, as her priestess. So, uh, or you could be the nice neighbor that notices that your neighbor you know, um, just had a baby. And so you cook them a bunch of food and you take it over, you know, and that's you being ISIS in service to the people around you, because that's what ISIS did. You know, when we read the stories about her, she wasn't always walking into the villages in her full, you know, ISIS form. Sometimes she was just a beautiful young woman or an old lady. And she taught the people in the village how to garden better, how to breastfeed, helped with childbirth, taught them how to weave and braid hair. So, you know, she did a lot of everyday mundane things um, to be of service to the people around her. And I think that's what it means to me uh, as her priestess. 
Oh, I love that so much. It's so interesting because as you're explaining all this, um, I just have like a million questions. So I'm just going to reel it back in a little bit. Um, you know, we don't do anything linear here. It's all like where it feels divinely led. So thank you for, I just like to get right into it and not waste anybody's time. So something that we had shared in a previous conversation that I thought was so beautiful, and I'd love for you to share it again, is your connection with your own intuitive gifts and how that led you through exploring and dabbling in all these different modalities before landing in and really feeling committed and connected to uh, mystery, mystery schools and the goddess and Hathor. Can you go explain a bit about that? Yeah. So what I find in my story, it seems to be very similar in a lot of people's stories who come to ancient Egypt and its beliefs and practices, um, or even, you know, in Celtic lore or whatever, is that we have a spiritual background of some sort, whether we grew up Catholic or Baptist or, you know, things like that. We have this kind of ingrained in us to have a spiritual part of us. And when we become disenchanted with organized religion in, you know, all of its forms of Christianity or Catholicism mainly, then we find a deeper connection with the pagan religions. And um, so growing up, I was always very spiritual. I would have my devotions. I remember um, you know, we had these little devotional booklets and then you would read through the book of Job or whatever and every night and you make notes and all these things. And then I, I just, I got away from the church because we were, you know, I didn't feel it was right to go door to door knocking and telling people on their own front porches that they shouldn't be going to the Catholic church and that they, you know, they needed to trust in God or they were going to hell. It just didn't sit right with me. And so I got away from my spiritual connection. Um, and then one day I was watching TV. Um, John Edward was on with his show Crossing Over. And I was so intrigued. And then I met a woman um, who taught meditation classes. And so I started going to those. And also what I find happens a lot of times is that people exp explore everything. They learn about crystals, they learn about animal totems and all the archangels and all of the ascended masters and um, their energy healing. And they're, they're just trying to kind of sort out like what fits them. And um, so I was in a channeling class once and we were supposed to be you know, connecting with a divine being go across this bridge and the divine being would meet you. And uh, for myself, I was expecting Archangel Uriel because at that time I was, you know, very much into all of the Doreen Virtue books and, you know, how she made that so accessible for everyone. And I just knew he was going to be, you know, cause we were tight, me and him. And <laughs> um <laughs> However, Hathor had other ideas. And so as I crossed the bridge in my mind in meditation, this being showed up and I asked for the name and I hear, I am Hathor. Well, I had never heard of Hathor and I didn't know what she or he was. And so I said, no, you need to go because I don't know who you are. I'm waiting for Uriel. And so she did this like three more times. And each time she'd said it with the same tone of voice, you know, I am Hathor. And so finally, 
you know, behind my closed eyelids, I was rolling my eyeballs at her and going, okay, fine, you're Hathor. And uh, I had never felt the presence of a being inside my body um, in that way before. It was as if she surrounded me and my heart was just racing. Like I just ran a marathon. I couldn't catch my breath. And, you know, I just held on to this energy. So of course I could speak anything, you know, amazing uh, or profound to our group in the darkness, but we came out of that and I was just like, um, what is a Hathor? And I got started kind of learning about first, you know, my teacher was very much into aliens. So uh, of course we had to go in to all of the seven Hathors with, you know, Tom Kenyon and all of that, which I still find it very fascinating, but it's very different from Hathor, the goddess of ancient Egypt. And um, then I had a girlfriend, she said, hey, I'm doing this program where I'm, you know, studying to be a priestess of Isis and I think you'd really like it. And I was like, okay. So I signed up and I did it. And um, I really found, you know, I, over the years I taught Reiki, um, I taught other types of classes about metaphysical subjects. Um, but whenever I taught about Egypt, it just felt like home. And so um, at the risk of being so super niched down, um, I decided to just super niche myself down because that's where I was happy. I love that so much. And it's so interesting. And I feel also refreshing in a way like I, I mean, the whole intention of this podcast is really to introduce people, uh, this community to different tools to try on and what feels good to you. Um, so if there is one healer, modality, scholar, uh, visionary, mystic that is doing something and that is their path, I want to be the one to guide them to that. So, you know, I, the thing, I definitely um, look at myself as somebody that collects from a bunch of different things and integrates it in a different way. But what I love about this story is somebody listening right now could be searching for and trying on all these different modalities and pieces and be listening to this conversation and are like, wait, no this is what I've been looking for. And that is my intention is to connect people to the thing they're looking for, to that piece that is going to make them feel like home. So I love you um, sharing that and being so, I, I just feel even from the first time we spoke, like the commitment and connection, like true devotion to what it is that feels like home to you. So I just really want to honor you for that. Um, something I want to ask before we dive in, because um, you know, we we touched on uh, what it means to be a priestess of Isis. And then, you know, Hathor came in. Can you explain a little bit what Hathor represents? Yes. So it's interesting, you know, throughout my studies um, within the priestess of Isis program, you know, that's where I really learned a lot because I had to read books and you know, do rituals and things like that. And so I learned about all of Isis's history. And um, she, you'll find this a lot throughout Egypt, you'll see like Sekhmet Bast, you'll see um, Hathor Isis, you'll see Isis, even, you know, connecting with others, you know, um, like Isis Aphrodite, or, you know, um, Hathor Aphrodite. Um, so there's this conglomeration that happens, but they're both both Hathor and Isis are mother goddesses. 
And it's interesting to note that at the Temple of Philae, which is the Temple of Isis um, down in the Aswan area near Nubia in Egypt, there is a, uh, a separate little building there that is a chapel to Hathor. And when you go to um, Dendera, which is the temple site for the goddess Hathor, there's a little chapel outside of the main temple space, and that's a chapel to Isis. So these two goddesses are very intertwined um, in their history, the things that they do for humanity, um, you know, both fertility goddesses, mother goddesses, goddesses of healing and dreaming and magic. So um, there's, there's quite a, um, a connection between those two. I love that. Something that you had shared when we spoke previously that I would love for you to share um, is the story of your, I, I don't know if I'm saying it improperly, but like your initiation, like the name that you received. Yeah. So um, I, I like to go by offset and I started doing that. Um, I started taking that name on after I was given it. When I became a priestess, we had an ordination ceremony and we you know, received a divine name from Isis for our ordination, but I never have used that name because it was very, it's just a private personal, you know, it's my priestess name. Um, but there were people in the, I don't know what you call it, the new age uh, circles, you know, where they would change their names. Or even when you go to yoga, you know, there's people that want to be called, you know, um, fairy princess or, you know, blue star or, you know, these sorts of things. I and mean, you just be like, okay, you know, and you call them, you're like, Hey, blue star, come on over. You know, you don't worry if their name is Steve or Tim or, you know, whatever you just, you call them blue stars. No, not a big deal. And I was always like, well, I'm not going to change my name. There's no reason for me to change my name. And one day I was washing dishes and Isis, I was kind of just chatting with her in my head, you know, um, and she said, you're going to get a new name. I was like, oh, and then she just kind of disappeared. Um, and she did that to me for about two weeks. I would walk outside and she would just kind of pop in, you know, it's kind of like she'd pop up out of the bushes. You're going to get a new name. And then she would disappear. How and does so she come I, to you? Or how does she come to you when you're connecting with her? Is it clairvoyance, claircognizant? Like, how does that relationship look to you? It's a combination of the Claire's. Um, I feel her, uh, I sense her presence and I can hear her. So that would be clear audience. Um, and I can like see a form basically. Okay. So, um, a little bit of all the Claire's, um, so and she's so popping up for you. She's popping up. And I, you know, it was kind of like, okay, do I meditate? You know, I started asking, do I meditate to do this? Do I Google something? Like what do I pick it out? And um, so one night before I went, was right before I was going to sleep, I was just laying there and I was almost asleep. And she comes in and she whispers and she says, you're going to get a new name. And of course I'm like half asleep. And so I'm like, okay. And um, she says, I give you my name. I give you Aset. And I'm like, um, hello, no, because <laughs> you are the throne that your name means the throne. You are the goddess of 10,000 names. And there are are people out there in the comedic circles that are going to know 
that I've taken on your name and they're going to look at me and say, who does she think she is, you know, calling herself by that. And Isis reassured me and she said, you know, you have lived as I have lived. You have experienced as life as I have experienced it. And she said, I give you my name. So, you know, when your divine mother says, I give you, and I'm getting goosebumps. Um, when your divine mother gives you her name, you say, okay. And a few days later, she invited me to do the numerology for the names, um, you know, different. Cause I'm like, how do I do it? Am I like Oprah and Ellen? I'm just offset, you know, or do I use the whole name? And, and she showed me it's, you know, use, use your whole name and do the numerology for it. And the numerology surprisingly was not very far off from, there were a lot of similarities. I can't remember what they all are now, but there were a lot of similarities to my given name. So um, I began in my spiritual work to introduce myself as Aset and people in my family, um, I don't ask them to call me that. They still you know, call me Amy because they don't understand um, that journey and that experience. Um, but it, it's very meaningful for me. And, um, so that's, that's where that I came love from. That. You know, I, I love this. And I feel the thing that is so exciting. And I know for a lot of those in the healer dealer community that are thirsty learners and really passionate about always, trying on new tools and we want to know all the information. I always joke with my best friend that I wish I could just, if I could have a superpower, I wish I could just put my hand over all the books and just immediately know all the information instantaneously. Cause there's so many things I want to still learn. And, you know, we're always teachers and students and whatnot, but, um, something I find so inspiring is, um, you know, the way that you have set up, um, you have a couple different offerings where it makes it a little bit more tangible and digestible to learn um, more about ancient Egypt and the magic of that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, the first thing that I started uh, years ago was because I enjoyed so much my experience in studying and learning to be a priestess of Isis. I founded my own Iceum uh, with the Fellowship of Isis. And so I've got, I think, 13 women now from all over the world um, who are progressing through the different levels. And so it's an online community. It's a, it's a solitary practice, but an online community. And uh, it's not for everyone because there's homework. Um, I expect things from you. You know, if you're going to be ordained as a priestess, then you need to read the books. You need to every morning do your morning ritual to ISIS. You need to... Um, you know, practice and, and become the priestess, not just on paper. I have and, a question about um, that. So when, for the, for that exact, for that piece of it, do you have, cause I know this question's coming up. I could like, I swear I channel, could feel like the, in the room, like asking these questions. So if anybody that is listening is like, oh wait, I want to become a priestess of ISIS and they're interested and they're like, yeah, Aset, I will do the work. I will show up, but they're still interested in other modalities, even though that is something you have chosen to fully commit to. Do you have any priestesses of Isis that are doing that as a part of their personal practice, but still explore and do other modalities? A little bit. Yes. Um, you know, they, they will still work with their herbs. Of course, Isis is a goddess of herbs and plants. Um, 
and they may work with, you know, but as the program goes along and you develop more your relationship with ISIS, the other modalities become supportive rather than the mainstream. Got ISIS it. and Got Egypt it. kind of become the mainstream. So, um, yeah, then, you know, there's, like I said, there's just, I expect things, um, but I also understand, you know, life. So if a level takes you a little bit longer, that's okay. But I do still, you know, like encourage you every month because we have a one-on-one -on -one, and that's something that's unique about the program is the one-on-one -on -one interaction with me um, to do your journal reviews, to, to keep you on track. I don't just be like, here's the material. Good luck. You know, uh, yeah. I'm with you with that. So I decided then to create something that would benefit people who didn't necessarily want to study and become ordained as a priestess of ISIS, but still loved all things Egypt. And they just, they want to learn about it and they want to know how to make parts of ancient Egyptian practices part of their own. And so I've really worked hard to try to combine um, the history and the mystery all together and um, make it a practical thing so that the, the Netaru are a part of your everyday life. They're not something like, you know, when you grow up a Christian or God is out there somewhere. And so in the things in the way that I teach, it's like God is everywhere. The, the goddess is everywhere, um, even inside of you. And so I created my Patreon uh, with different tiers for people who wanted to learn about the different Netaru, how to interact with them, you know, on in practical ways for healing or ritual or writing invocations and just kind of develop a relationship with ancient Egypt in that way and experience it, not just learn about it like outside, you know, scholastic things. So I want them to experience it. So I provide that. And then for people who want to study a little bit more, um, because we love books, uh, and stories, and we want to know where all of the stories come from, then I have a tier for, um, it's the scribe tier where we explore ancient texts. So we'll explore ancient rituals, we'll explore um, magical papyra, we'll explore the coffin texts, and uh, love poetry. And what I do is kind of break down and talk about different aspects that are in that. So there's no homework with Patreon. There are what I like to call optional explorations um, that you can do with the Netaru or not. Um, there's discussion. I do a presentation each month and um, there's a Q&A for the VIP uh, level. That looks so, so good. I'm so interested in that. But like before I have so many things I want to ask, but I just want to um, follow up with another question in regards to the offerings. Cause I know that you have the, the Patra, pa, Patra, I cannot talk. I swear I cannot talk. You have this offering, but then there is something else that's coming up um, called like summer of Hathor. Is that correct? Yes. So last year during the pandemic, Hathor, she really stepped in close. And I was just feeling her so much. And I created some, you know, we were all at home. We were all stay at home. And the universe was kind of like, you know, you've always wanted to teach more online. So here you go, you know, jump into this. And so I did some classes on her and I put together a whole, you know, online course um, that's going to be launching again. Um, 
outside of the Summer of Hathor series. It's it's a it's a built course that you can take. And um, so then as we were coming up to this time of year again, you know, Hathor was like, hey, we need to, you know enough about the things that are going on with me and my aspects that you can put together like a whole series. And she's definitely a, a party girl. And so, you know, she wants it to be, you know, like a summer of, you know, we've all been through this COVID times. We've all been, you know, isolated at home, away from people. And she really wants us to reconnect with our joy, to um, get a little bit deeper in our healing because some things have, you know, we've all experienced some loss um, and grief this past year. And um, then also to learn a little bit more about yourself through the goddesses of fate, the seven Hathors and uh, the numerology and um, all of these sorts of things. So that's a really personal class as well. So Ugh, I want the summer, all the things. This is like so many <laughs> things. I like, I literally, when we spoke last time, I was like looking at your, um, your uh, like, was it called Patreon? I can't, I always say it wrong. I'm like, Patreon. Yeah. I don't, you know, when you see a word so much and then you actually say it out loud and you're like, oh, that's the word. Um, it shows how much like stuff I read on my own. Um, but it's interesting because I saw that I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then now you're talking about the Hathor that I'm like, oh, Hathor, can you, okay. I'm going to like, just please entertain me on this. I think we touched on this briefly last time, but I have a lot of people on here that have like really dove into galactic studies. Can you just entertain us for a second in your personal, if you have it, or connection to it, the connection or similarities of when everybody is talking about the connection of ancient Egypt and, you know, aliens and galactic connections, like, do you feel any connection or association with that? No, I don't. Okay. Um, the closest thing would be um, Tom Kenyon's uh, pulling forward the seven, or not the seven Hathors, because there's like hundreds of thousands of them. They just call themselves the Hathors. Um, so I, I think that that is kind of a, a being um, okay. that you might consider more you know, extraterrestrial, um, but the, the gods and the goddesses of Egypt are, in my experience, because remember, you know, when I was working um, with my meditation teacher and, you know, Hathor came up, you know, she, she of course sent me, you know, to the aliens and the Pallades, you know, the seven stars of the Pallades and the seven Hathors and all of that connection there. So um, I, I was able to, connect and kind of play in that arena for a little while. Um, and again, it was one of those things where I was glad that I did, um, but it wasn't something that stuck with me. So I do feel that there's a, a very distinct difference between that kind of uh, a being and the gods and goddesses of ancient Egypt. Okay. I'm just very curious because, you know, there's a lot of speculation and discussion that, um, some ancient Egyptian gods and goddesses were like, you know, uh, alien, you know, um, species that right. came down and that's why they're depicted on the wall, you know, like in the art and everything as being right. larger than life. Well, and one of the other things too, that connects them to the stars is that you have, uh, specific star systems that are connected with specific deities. Um, so, 
you know, uh, Isis in particular, she is very connected to the star that we may call Sirius. Um, the ancient Egyptians called it Sokhdet, and uh, it was also called Sothis. Um, so that's where they believe the heart of Isis is. And the reason is because that is the star that follows the constellation of what we may call Orion, but the ancients called Osiris. Um, the other thing about that also is that constellation of Osiris was also called Sa, and his consort is Sokdet. So, you know, you've got, you've got the gods and goddesses associated with the stars. Um, and in the pyramid text in particular, it talks about you know, back during that time frame, it's like the fourth, fifth, and sixth dynasties, the, the pharaoh was the only one, um, you know, that had the ability to rise up and be one with the gods in the sky. Um, but, you know, he was one with the imperishable stars, um, or the, you know, the stars that didn't spin around, like when um, the circumpolar stars. So, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, like the brother bear or something where, you know, where they're laying there and they're looking up at the night sky and it's like, that's where all of our ancestors are. Um, it, it's the same kind of a thing, you know, that's where the gods are. Um, so there is that little bit of correlation. And I, I love this. Like, with. even what you just said, I know everybody's <laughs> listening. I'm like geeking out over that. Um, I, I, I remember hearing about, um, I, okay, now I'm like such a nerd. I'm like messing it up. <laughs> I just started rewatching <laughs> Harry Potter again with my sister. And now I'm like, Sirius Black, it's Sirius Star. Like so nerdy. I just said that. I can't believe I just said that out loud. But um, so, cause I know that I've heard that Isis associated with the Pleiades, like, um, like, uh, you know, divine mother of the Pleiadian, like she is I've specifically heard that she has grounded Pleiadian energy um, in the past. So it just makes sense in, I mean, I also feel like we're so limited by words at times. It makes sense if, you know, she is mother, you know, if you're thinking of mother and what does a mother actually represent, where we come from, if we are really another expression of the galaxy and stars were made to stardust, like it kind of is interesting how everything is so interconnected. So I just really love that. And I know everybody geeked out because I know I did. And what I geek out over, <laughs> everybody that's listening geeks out over. So I love that explanation a little bit, um, diving into, um, what was something I was going to ask you? Oh, um, we touched on this before, but a little bit, but as far as like, what is something, cause I feel like the, the ancient Egyptian magical realms is like kind of never ending vaults of information. You could just keep going, going, going. What is something about the work you're doing and your, in your studies that is lighting you up right now? Uh, I would say the ancient texts. Um, because, you know, I've read so many of the books that were written by some amazing authors. And I just started like, well, where is that myth found? Where, where do they find that story? How do we know what's happening there? And I started instead of, you know, whenever there was a footnote, I was looking in the back um, and I was looking at the bibliographies of the books that I was reading. And so then I started a whole new library that looks much more like I'm studying Egyptology um, because I wanted translations of 
the texts. I wanted to know where they came from. I wanted to know, were they on a papyrus? Were they on a, a tomb wall somewhere? Um, you know, there, there are stories that are on the tomb walls. They are on coffins. They are in the pyramid. Um, so it, and then, you know, then they became um, written on the papyrus scrolls. So uh, that's, I think, the thing that's really lighting me up right now. And the, the thing about that is that it, learning about the history of Egypt, it hasn't detracted from the mystery and the magic. It has only added to it because then the, it's the people that are interesting to me, you know? And um, so I'll give you a little, uh, like I was reading through the love poetry of ancient Egypt. And it's really, really um, beautiful the way that they, they talk. And they were talking about the gold and the gold, the gold, what do they keep talking about? Well, the gold, that was one of the names of Hathor. She was called gold or the golden one. And so then there were all of these things that they were talking about um, within the text that one time when I was reading through the Greek magical papyra, I came across these love spells and I'm like making the correlation between the love spells and things that they wrote about in the poetry. And so then I'm understanding ancient Egyptians in a different way than I ever did before. So um, I lay at night and read the coffin texts. Um, <laughs> I, I just let them kind of speak to me and I look, I let them speak to me then the spaces between us everything. And then I guess the other thing that's really lighting me up is um, being able to share that, you know, in my memberships on Patreon and everything with my classes and then trying to study hieroglyphs so I can add that yes. little extra fun thing. And you have um, an Oracle deck of that, right? Was you, Yes. You a, yes. Can you talk about that? Because I just got it and I cannot wait to um, get the book that, it, okay, I've ordered like, since we spoke last, I literally ordered like maybe like seven Egyptian books. I was like, oh, I bet she has all these. Like I, <laughs> but anyways, I'm very excited yes. to dive in. I, I just ordered the one that I, I'm sorry, I'll put a link in the show notes, but I ordered the one that's supposed to go with that deck. Yes, good, good. Yeah. So my dear friend, Norman D. Ellis, she had been working with uh, what or the Medjunetter, um, you know, the hieroglyphic symbols for a very long time as oracles. And she wrote this book and she wanted to create a deck and she wanted to use actual images of the hieroglyphs rather than, you know, drawings or, you know, having an artist do them or things like that. Um, and part of the reason for that was because everything that you see on the temple walls uh, basically was there because it's enlivened. So if you see the gods uh, pre being presented with offerings, even when the priests have been gone from the temples now for 2000 years, basically that's still happening. The gods are still receiving their offerings because it's on the walls of the temple. So all of the pictures on the cards are basically images of enlivened, you know, pieces of information. So we spent some time on one of our tours going through the temples and she had been to Egypt, you know, 25 years and, and counting. And so she kind of knew where some of them were that she wanted. And so I was the photographer taking the pictures and my favorite, 
probably one of my favorite stories on that is we were at Edfu, and so when you see um, the 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 symbol of Sachet, the card Sachet, um, in the temple of Edfu, there is a library of Sachet. And when you go inside of it, this is little closed off room. And when you go inside of it, you see the name of Sachet in there. This is her library. And Normandy had her phone and the flashlight on her phone lighting up this image on the wall because it was so dark in there. And my shutter speed had to be so slow um, so that we could get, and I, I probably took 20 images of it and was holding my breath because, you know, my shutter speed was like at 130th and, um, but we got it. So um, it's been a really powerful deck to use. Can you explain um, just a quick uh, overview on Sachet, like what she represents? Oh, yeah. Sachet is the librarian. She's the, uh, the consort of Thoth, the god of wisdom and writing. Oh, love it. And so she's the goddess of writing. They also were instrumental in like when the temples were being built she she and Thoth would like they were the architects of it they would write down all of the specs and how it would needed to be laid out and everything so she is the goddess of wisdom the goddess of learning libraries writing um the Akashic records right mm -hmm. the Akashic oh, I love it it's so I I know when we chatted um before this I, I was sharing you know from the start that Thoth came to me like in the very beginning of everything. So it's very interesting how I feel like I'm having a ancient Egyptian moment right now, because literally like, um, it's so funny cause it's been a whisper for years. And, you know, I had shared a little bit before, like I definitely, like I have in this lifetime connections to Egypt um, in my family. And so it's really interesting how that's like poking up a lot. And, um, you know, thoughts just can't. And I was like, what is this like bird looking man? Like, I didn't really ah. understand. <laughs> like I didn't understand yeah. and I kept getting it. And I, but the message I got, cause actually it was one of the first, um, Oracle decks I was ever gifted was the ascended masters deck with him in it. Um, the Doreen Virtue deck, which of course it's so funny. I feel like, I don't know about you, but like everybody I know with like all the Doreen Virtue decks, it's like hard commodity, like, like gotta collect them because they're like so hard to get now. Anyways, um, which is a whole nother discussion because it's very interesting. But anyways, I remember always pulling that card of his and it was like, right, right, right. And I didn't understand or understand what he represented beyond just writing. I was like, I'm not a writer. Stop coming at me for writing. And then it's, it's so, I think the thing I find most humbling about all these deities and gods and goddesses that we are working with or working with us is the level and the layers of how the relationships grow much like how it grows and evolves with the people in our lives, which I think is very humbling because I think it's easy to read a text about a being and project on it. Okay. This is what it represents versus also looking at it as a living, breathing identity, a story, much like what's on the walls of ancient Egypt. So I just feel like that's really, um, I just, I know I went on a little tangent, but that's just very nerding out, like hashtag nerding out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about Thoth as well, you know, he, he's, 
And, and that's something that you'll find in the ancient texts is it describes the gods and goddesses. It gives them their names. It tells you, you know, what it is that they kind of are overseers of, you know, the underworld or writing or Thoth was called the scribe of the gods. Um, and he was a healer and he's the great, you know, uh, magician. I almost said musician. He's the great magician and um, healer. And, you know, he had a whole uh, religious center in Hermopolis. Um, so he, he can be in the, and we just did, um, what is this month? So in April, we did Thoth in Patreon. So oh, each week I there was- back and, and <laughs> Can people go yeah. back if they join later, like even in months from now? Yeah, so whenever, joining? yeah, whenever you join, whichever tier you join. So if, let's say you join the um, apprentice tier with all the Netaru, then you can go all the way back to January where I started and look at everything for that. If you sign up for the scribe tier, you can go back and look at everything. And if the, you're in the Vizier or the VIP tier, you can see everything. I don't have, if you want the Netaru and the scribes and the library and the book, Egypt, ancient Egyptian text book club, basically, um, then you get the, the VIP tier. Um, that's the only way you can get all now, the things. Okay, now speaking of all the things, cause we're greedy for information here. Yeah. Um, so if somebody was interested in that, but also, um, hang on, I need a sip. I have a dry pocket. They're used to this on my a show. I like, <laughs> I'm like sparkle water. Attack me with my sparkle water bubbles. Um, if somebody was interested in that, but also the summer of Hathor, like, is that, um, like, would that conflict? Is that like, is that oh, at your no. own pace too? Or right. Yeah, so the Summer of Hathor, that is, those are live classes. Okay. So each month, uh, the first one is uh, May the 20th. It's the Five Gifts of Hathor. We'll be working with an ancient practice in gratitude and offerings. Oh, gosh, And out. Um, <laughs> then in June, we'll be working, uh, we'll be doing the Hathor's Festival of Joy. So we're going to be looking through ancient texts um, to see what, how the idea, the ancient Egyptians identified joy, like what did, what brought them joy so that we can look at how we connect with joy. Um, and then in July, we'll be working with Hathor and Thoth as um, Netaru of the underworld, gods of um, the afterlife uh, for healing through loss and grief. Um, and their roles will be doing lots of things within the coffin text and the pyramid text with them. And then in August, we'll be doing the seven Hathors of fate, going over your own unique blueprint, your oh numerology. Gosh, and so out. each of these are, <laughs> each of these classes are live um, each month. And you can, if you only want to take the five gifts of Hathor, then it's $15 and you come and you take that. Um, if you can want to take all of them, you can, if you want to take all of them and the Patreon, the Patreon is just an ongoing, yeah. it, it's, it's the Egyptian mystery school. You're, you know, in it for as long as you, you know, want yeah. to be, and you don't have to do any homework. Um, so for the yeah. summer of Hathor, is that, um, if somebody misses the live, can they take it after like watch it at their own pace yes. too? Okay. Yes. I record that. Okay. Record oh my God. I like totally, if you guys are listening, if you want to join me, come join me. Like, I'm just <laughs> so excited. Like I honestly, like I had intentions of like, oh, I knew like I have it. I have way too many tabs opened on my 
internet. I'm oh, sure you no, and me too, girl. I'm oh sure nobody God. can relate. And I keep, I'm like <laughs> such a, like I'm totally going against because literally beginning of this year, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing too many courses or things like I'm like I'm only doing because I'm doing a whole teacher training to like be able to teach others how to channel Akashic Records for themselves which I'm really excited about hashtag nerding out um but then now talking to you I'm like oh my god I like have to know all these things and um so I'm definitely I really want to join and then I want to ask you a question but before I do I just want to share really quick um I know everybody heard in the intro um, Aset will be the guest teacher for the uh, June Empress Explorers Club. I am so, so excited. Um, it's going to be all about embodying the divine through Egyptian mysteries. It's going to be so fun. Um, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram to find more info. But I just had to give a shout out because I'm just like nerding out hardcore here. Okay, so I have a question. So let's say somebody's listening to you and they're like, yeah, I'm going to learn all the things. I'm so fascinated with you being a priestess of Isis. Do you do like sessions, like one-off sessions for people to receive like information from Isis or like, you know, kind of like a reading, but with Isis or whatnot? I don't know. Does that happen? Um, no, I don't offer those. I do offer readings where I use my, um, the Oracle of Sashep, you know, all of the cards, um, that would be the closest thing okay. to getting that, but no, I don't do like channeled messages or anything. Okay. Like that. Okay. I just, I was just like checking. Cause you know, another hashtag greedy for information. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. Um, this is so exciting. Is there, cause you also mentioned earlier, and I just want to touch on it, um, that you do also offer and have like trips to Egypt with Norman D Ellis. Um, are you, so you're planning those, I think for like 2022, right? Yes. Our March 22 trip right now is full. We do have a waiting list. So if you go to, um, two ladies, travel uh, you will find a form there to get on our wait list for the fall of 22. I believe in the fall of 22, actually we'll have two tours going. Um, she'll be work cause we, you know, work with other people as well. So, um, we will each be doing a different tour in the fall. Um, and then she and I will be doing a tour again together uh, the following March of 23, I believe. So um, that's, oh, I love that. So I'll share links of all that. Okay. I had a last question that I pop in my head. So I'm going to do that before we wrap up. I'm like, I'm going to wrap up, but then I have another question. Okay. Is there anything in the, your studies and readings and ancient texts? Are there any stories or like epiphanies you've had reading these stories that relate to like what we're experiencing right now as a collective or insight that you've had that are like, you know, I, I don't know. I just was curious. Cause I, you know, people always say history repeats itself. I'm just curious if there was something that you're like, oh, wow, that's what's going on right now. Or this would really serve humanity right now. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing that I see that you can correlate with all of this, and, and it comes from the way that I see the stories of ancient Egypt, um, the god Horus was always, you know, uh, battling his uncle Set to try to be the ruler of the two lands of Egypt. That was kind of the Greek story. And so Set at one point had 
um, gouged out the eyes of Horace. And when you think about, you know, how we've all been, you know, dealing with everything the past year with the pandemic, you know, we've all been wounded and alone in some way, um, separated from everything that we can see. You know, Horace was blinded. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't see his family. He couldn't see where he was going. Um, we've been in that state where we can't see our friends. We, you know, we couldn't see our family. We couldn't see into the future. You know, there was just this, oh, we don't know when things are going to open back up or when life will get back to normal. And Hathor came along and she saw him bleeding and in pain and she created new eyes for him. And um, so then with these new eyes, he was able to then see the world with a new perspective. So that I think is something that we're all in the midst of is we're being asked to look at what is the new normal? Like how do we need to change things? Like not, not everything that we did before was probably being done in the best way possible and something needed to change. And so now we're kind of being thrust into that. So I would say if we can all embody um, the wounded healer inside of, of Horus um, to see people. And the thing too is, you know, then you're also using these eyes of wisdom to see other people. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the movie Avatar was that they didn't say, I love you. They said, I see you. And if we can all embody Horus with his healed eyes of wisdom and be able to look at each other with compassion, because so many people, um, and even I'm going to say myself included, we've experienced um, some damaging things to our psyche through being isolated um, and not being able to plan for the future. And, um, you know, we're kind of working through re-entering society and re-entering, like, how do you behave around people in person, you know? Um, and so just looking at each other with compassion and knowing that if someone re reacts uh, rashly in some way, you know, there's, there's probably a, a million reasons as to why they're doing that, that you don't understand and possibly they don't either. So Oh, I so love that. That's, that's so beautiful. That's so satisfying. Okay. I have one last question. I swear. I swear. They're like, don't like, so something that really like stuck with me that obviously I know one would learn about in summer of Hathor, which sounds like when I say it out loud, it sounds like it should be on like a t-shirt for like an eighties t-shirt, like summer of Hathor, <laughs> like, you know, like, spray paint, like summer of Hathor. What's your joy pleasure. Um, yeah. is there one, one that you can think of right off the bat to share of some joy pleasure practice from ancient Egypt that people could maybe adopt now? Um, one of the things, uh, and I can't remember, I can't quote it right now because I can't remember it, but it has to do with this, the simple joy of watching the sunrise. I love that. Sun gazing. Um, there because um i think that it's in like hymns to Ra, where you know we're just we're so excited about the sun rising and it just fills our hearts with joy um these kinds of things so uh, being in nature and watching the sunrise was something uh there's a little sneak peek there 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I love that. That's so great. I, I just want to take a second and honor you for all of the work that you're doing, all of the magic you're sharing and really connecting everybody to the magic of ancient Egypt. And I think it's such a, um, what I, what's coming to me right now is just a reminder for everybody. And I think this very much relates to the work that you're doing is I think in the race to ascend and expand and learn more, we sometimes get out of our body, go outside of ourselves. And really it's like the way of ascension is through the heart space. It's going back in. And I just really think of ancient Egypt as going in. Things are going in, you're going in, you're going in in these different layers. So it feels like you know, in like, even though I was asking all these galactic questions and things like being outside of our own planet, it's like the magic that really exists here at home. Um, so I just really, really appreciate and honor you for everything you're doing. I really appreciate you explaining everything. I like, so want to join all the things and I am just going to freak out with having you in the Empress Explorers <laughs> Club next month. Like literally it's like, I feel like the podcast and then the Empress Explorers Club is like my own selfish, like, oh, this would be fun. And this is what I want. And I know like everybody else will like it. So, um, and I have your Oracle deck. I'll share that with everybody too. Um, super, super excited. And, and just thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. And, you know, uh, just like when we met, you know, beforehand, it's like, we could just sit and talk all day about all things Egypt and, uh, because it's so fun. And I will say one last thing. Um, the thing that I've noticed about the practice of, you know, learning about ancient Egypt, uh, the, the, the mystery of it, um, and balancing it all out now with the history is that um, knowledge is power. And, you know, when I think about like, what is it about me that, or what is it about classes that I'm interested in? Why am I interested in it? You know, and um, it, it's just to learn more. And I find that people are, you know, hungry for learning and, part of what I like to do with that is to, to pull it in and make it personal. So it's not just, um, you know, dry scholastic academic it's, it's personalized. So, um, I, I love that. And I think too, like anybody, at least the people I know, I feel like that's my friends, family, clients, you know, the community of healer dealer is, you know, all the things that everybody is attracted to learning. It's like, it's just so different than when you were little and you're like, none of this is going to apply. Like, it's so fascinating. It's like, I remember years ago, I went, um, looking at colleges with my nephew and I was like, so jealous. He was looking at college. I was like, I, and seeing all the classes he had like to choose from, I was like, oh my gosh. I, Cause I remember when I was in college, I was like, so ready to like not be in school. Cause I just wanted to work. I was ready to like I don't want to study. I just want to be out there making things happen. And it's so funny. Cause like, as I'm getting older, I'm literally like, I would love to just study and like learn, but it's so fascinating just to loop back to what you just shared is I think the thing too, is anybody that is attracted to this work that you're doing and learning it, the most humbling thing I've been finding for the last few years is quite literally after I'm learning something, it literally can be 
put into practice applied to a situation soon after. I can't even tell you how many times I'll read like a one line of something and then I'm working with somebody and I'm like, oh shit, like that totally applies to the situation. And so back to knowledge is power. It's like, I feel now this is like, I'm really going to like support everybody to sign up for all the things, but like literally you doing this and you being attracted to these different platforms and programs and um, offerings is going to really not only support you and being empowered, but also those around you in ways that maybe you can't connect the dots yet, but you will, as soon as you just put your, do it, commit to it. Right. So. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I feel so very lucky and blessed to, you know, be able to share everything that, you know, I've been able to learn with everyone else. And that by being in my Patreon or taking my classes, I mean, that you guys don't know how much that helps me that I, I, I don't think I can go and have like a quote unquote real job. Um, I've been such an entrepreneur for a long time. Um, so it, it's, it's just really wonderful. And it, it's kind of odd sometimes, you know, when I sit in my kitchen and I have my coffee and my laptop and I'm reading about ancient Egypt and it's like, this is my job. <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> to be learning about all of these things because, you know, I, I've created this life where I can, you know, teach and present and uh, share and, and watch people open up and grow. Um, within their spiritual practice, within their own knowledge base, within their, you know, aha moments of having the history and the mystery just kind of all come together for them. So. Oh, thank you so much. And I will share with yeah. everybody the links, how to connect, how to join. You want to come with me, you guys, like I ask a million questions. It's literally, you know, this is who I am and how I show up in classes as well. Um, yes. <laughs> hashtag teacher's pet. Um, I don't know why I'm doing so many hashtag things, this conversation. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much. And I can't wait to see you soon. Great. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for today on the Healer Dealer Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review and let me know what you loved about this episode and what you want to hear more of. Until then, do what feels good. Know that you are always supported and it is your birthright to have all the things you desire. I'm your Healer Dealer, Diana Zalecki. Thank you so much for being here. I hope to see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.